having watched them so much, like you, you just, and, and I hear it all the time. Oh, he's going, oh, he's only 17. Yeah, he's 17. I'm going to say it right here. I'm going to say it right now. Yeah. He's Canada's best player. He's Canada's best player. Wow. You're now listening to the Voice in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 192. It's uh, part one of our 2024 World Juniors uh, preview here on Boys in the Booth. Uh, Cody, Abrams, and Melbourne, all three of us with you. And boys, it's the most wonderful time of the year. We're getting close to Christmas and uh, the World Juniors, of course, start Boxing Day on TSN. So part one is going to be a deep dive into uh, the Team Canada roster. Uh, but before we get into that, how are we doing? Oh, doing well, Harper, for the exact reason you just mentioned. It's great time of the year. Getting into Christmas, World Juniors, the amount of pond hockey I'm going to play in the next couple of weeks, like that just gets me excited. That's what gets you out of bed. Absolutely. Best time of the year. Looking forward to World Juniors. But before all that, I'm looking forward to going to Arizona in just a couple days, leaving on Saturday. Going to see a game, Arizona and Ottawa, so that will be pretty cool. I'm going to wear my OEL jersey, and hopefully uh, uh, no one gives me a hard time because of it. Um, but boys, I just had to say, right now, I am absolutely exhausted. Let me run you guys through my last... Like two weeks, but also like 24 hours specifically. So I've been in exams and th- this is my second last exam period of law school. So I only have one more and then I write the bar and then I article and then I'm a lawyer. So like I'm almost there. So like you can y- like you got to know the motivation is, is kind of low because I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. Right. So these last two weeks doing exams, this most recent one, I started yesterday. It's a 24-hour take-home exam. I picked it up at 11 o'clock, okay, thinking that, all right, I've got 24 hours. I'll be able to finish it day of, and then I'll wake up in the morning, this morning, and I'll be able to do a quick edit, submit it by 11 o'clock. No problem. That was the game plan. Pick it up at 11 o'clock. Go run and get a coffee after lunch. Like, you know, kind of meandering, not really doing a lot of work. Two o'clock, really, is when I, like, fully start doing legit work. And it's Wilson Estates, by the way. And this is a a class where, you know, there's a right and a wrong answer. It's not like writing an opinion piece or or an essay on a topic that, you know, you can kind of just pull from here and there and and get a good grade because of your critical thinking skills. No, it's like right and wrong answers. So I start working on it. All of a sudden, and it's two questions. First question is worth 30%. Second question is worth 70%. All of a sudden, I realize I've only done one question and it's 9 p.m. So from 2 to 9 p.m., I've only done 30% of the 24-hour take-home exam. And I thought I would be able to get it done that night. So I'm doing the math and I'm thinking to myself, okay, like if this first question took me, you know, from from 2 to 9 and it's only worth 30, this next question is going to take me forever. But I'm, I'm still in my head. I'm hoping like, okay, maybe it's just the nature of it. It takes a while to like fully get into the swing of things. I'm cruising now. Let's go. Well, boys, I kid you not. When I went to bed this morning, 
It was 6.04 a.m. When I crawled into my bed after finishing my exam and submitting it, Paige gets up for work at 7. So I'm in bed for less than an hour. She gets out of bed at 7 o'clock, goes to work. This day has been absolutely upside down for me. I didn't get out of bed until like 1.30 in the afternoon. Clean the house because I've been I've been in exams for two weeks, so I, I have been like stressed and you know whatever. Clean the house and prep for the show. That's all I've done today, and that's why we're having a couple beers while we're recording this episode because a it's the most fun episode of the year, one of the most fun anyway, and and b I deserve it after an absolute grind over the last two weeks, but specifically over the last twenty four hours where I literally sat down for I think it was at the end of the day, about 18 straight hours writing this exam. I don't know if I've spent the 18 straight hours doing something like that for school, but I've definitely crawled into bed while the sun's coming up <laughs> after getting back from the library. So I, I can feel you there. Yeah, I, I just had to share that with you guys because first of all, I got no one else to talk to you about this. No one else cares. And uh, second of all, I, I know that you guys are here to listen. So no one else cares. Let's throw it on a podcast. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. But you guys do. So and, and you're forced to listen to me. So there you go. Yeah, I've maybe uh, maybe gone to bed when the sun's coming up after a big night out, but not uh, <laughs> nothing like that. <laughs> Oh, just brutal. Yeah, that was That's, last uh, weekend for Harper. Yeah. <laughs> That's crazy, man. Well, anyway, welcome. And uh, thank you. <laughs> Glad, uh, glad you're in better spirits now. So that's good. Um, all right, boys, let's uh, let's get into um, you know our, our little Team Canada deep dive here, and really the only uh, returning player to to this roster is uh, is Owen Beck, whose tournament was cut short last year, I believe, because of injury. Do I have that correct? I don't recall exactly, but I think he only yeah. played like three games, right? Yeah, it wasn't really a wasn't really a factor, but certainly a, a good player, you know, Montreal Canadiens second round pick and whatever. But other than that, a lot of new faces on on this roster. I mean, a lot of names that that we recognize. And um, yeah, so so let's get into it. Case, maybe we'll we'll go to you first and just kind of your your overall look at this roster, forward D, goaltending, just kind of what do you see? Strengths, weaknesses, all of it. Yeah, I mean, I've had a lot of people talking to me about this team already leading up to this tournament and saying that, you know, they don't recognize a ton of people as these huge star players for Canada that, you know, the name jumps right off the paper and it's a Connor Bedard or Lafreniere. You can say that Macklin is on there as as a guy like that, but there's a lot of talk that the star power isn't here for this team, but man, I think this could be one of the deepest Team Canada's I've ever seen. The guys on this team, up and down the lineup, like there's there's not many weaknesses. And when you start thinking about the guys that they left out of this team, either didn't get an invite to, to camp or just didn't make the team, like there's some pretty good players. And looking at the CHL scoring leaders, looking at uh start with the WHL, Andrew Crystal, he's not on this team. Riley Height. He's not on this team. Uh, Connor Geeky on the team and Furcus is also not on the team. So those are three of the top four scorers in the WHL that they left out. Um, the OHL, you got Rekhoff, who is on this team. Carson Rekhoff, 
uh, with 31 goals in 31 games and 24 assists on top of that in the OHL, who is leading this league by far. So he's on the team. And then you have Jordan Dumais, who's fourth in points in the QMJHL, absolutely tearing up that league. So in terms of scoring, they've got this covered. And then there's players that fill out this team with like the compete level and the grit and everything else in guys like Matthew Wood and Brandon Yeager and um, I'll throw Easton Cowan as like an engine out there for free lease fans. And then there's still kind of like the star players that haven't been mentioned. There's the Matthew Savoys on this team and um, Celebri- Celebri- Celebrini. I think, Celebrini. I think Cel, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Celebrini and Matejchuk. Like, I think that this team's got it covered top to bottom. And then three goalies who, in their own leagues, two of them have some phenomenal numbers and the other one's drafted mm-hmm. in the NHL. So, um, you know what? I'm actually pretty excited despite, you know, what others have been saying about this team. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned like what the outside perspective of this team is. And it's just that it's not very good. Like I've seen so many people post that this team just isn't, you know, built to live up to the standards of previous team Canada's who have won gold at, at previous tournaments. You're right, Case. They don't have a star power player like Connor Bedard. And and last year, obviously, it was the Connor Bedard show. You know, Shane Wright was there too, and, and he had a good tournament and some other players. But it was the Connor Bedard show from start to finish, and he is not there this year. And speaking of players who are eligible, who aren't actually returning... Connor Bedard, Adam Fantilli, Shane Wright, Kevin Korczynski, Matthew Protas, and Zach Benson, all six of those players, if they were on this team, this team would look a hell of a lot better. And that's kind of the star power that is lacking, at least on the surface. Well, that comes hand in hand with putting out the best players every single year is that your world junior team, it's basically all 19-year-olds every year, and they're gone next year. And Mm -hmm. you look at other teams like Slovakia and and Czechia that have had success lately, and they have players that have been playing on the team since they were 16 years old. It's their fourth competition. And it's just the familiarity of that. It plays a big role, but in the end, doesn't matter because the better players are coming out of Canada. Yeah. I I also think it's interesting too, that, you know, just going back to last year's draft where it was Bedard and Fantilli and then the, the previous draft with Shane Wright being from Canada. I just think the the stars who have been in those last couple drafts don't really compare to previous ones, at least in recent memory. Like it, it's not often that you see a guy like Connor Bedard who plays as, you know, he was a 2005 born player playing last year, absolutely tearing it up. This year is usually the the year you know that where those second year players come in and do some damage. Well, Bedard is just so good that he's already in the NHL. In fact, all of those players mentioned uh, are in the NHL or have played some NHL games this year. Shane Wright's the only guy who's played more in, in the American League, but it is just crazy when you look at some of the eligible players who aren't on the team because. This team could be a hell of a lot better. But but like I was saying, Case, I do agree that it is a fairly deep team. But that being said, I do think they are going to suffer a little bit from the lack of star power. Maybe they don't they don't outscore their problems as much as, you know, we expect Team Canada to. Yeah, I mean, I could see that, but I think that the scoring is there. The the power play is going to be absolutely fine with Matejcek leading that. And then you have 
guys like Dumay and Savoy or yeah, Dumay and Savoy on that power play unit, like those guys can score at will. If you're throwing Celebrini out there, I don't know, sometimes they don't favor towards 17 year olds um, like they did in the past with, you know, a Quinton Byfield, for example. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's, there's just so much available on this team. And then recently, we've started to see a swing in Team Canada selections towards players that play a better defensive game. And, you know, I, I'm kind of stealing a bit of my thunder on, on, what I wanted to talk about with my player to watch on Team Canada. But you look at like last year, two guys that came to mind were uh, Donovan Sobrango and um, Del Mastro. Those are two mm-hmm. guys that they they got a lot of ice time because the way they play the game. It's not the flashiest thing in the world. They left out a Brant Clark for that reason and in the other tournament. And mm-hmm. um, you know, they're starting to to pick players that are gonna win them the competition. Uh, another guy is like Dawson Mercer a couple of years ago. They gave him a ton of ice time, played him like the utility man on all sorts of different lines, penalty kill, power play. They're looking for players that are going to win them games, not just put up points um, in the QMJHL. You know what I mean? That Everyone mm-hmm. does that. Mm-hmm. No, it's true. And I think, you know, not to jump the gun, but we're, we're obviously going to talk about the two Maple Leafs prospects who have made this team. But I think that's why a, a player like Fraser Minton could be so important to this team as you know a shutdown center playing playing in a role where you know he might not be afforded a ton of offensive opportunity but he will grind guys down and that's you know the reason why he got a shot in the nhl at the start of the year and and that's the reason why he made this team as one of uh the locks really like when you look at this team I first look at the 2004 born forwards, the returning players or the the players who were eligible last year who didn't make the team. So Owen Beck, we mentioned, is the only returning player on the roster, second rounder uh, from Montreal in 2022. It's basically just the other guys from that 2022 draft who are uh, in this category, I would say, of like the guys that we expect to be horses for this team. So I'm looking at a Jordan Dumais, a guy who, you know, we've talked about a bunch on this podcast as a guy who has, you know, been tearing up the QMJHL and looks like an absolute steal of that draft. Um, Connor Geeky, who case, I'm not sure if you mentioned earlier or if that was off air, but he'll be another guy relied on. Um, and then Matthew Savoy, who, you know, Harper, you know, well, so those are just some of the, the, the locks up front who we expect to be horses. And then on the back end, you know, I'm looking at players from the same draft, and the number one guy I'm looking at is Denton Matejchuk. We talked about leading up to that 2022 draft of him being, you know, sort of an underrated player. He went 12th overall, but I think I know I certainly had him in my top 10 when I was doing draft rankings. I, you guys might have as well too. Like he he was a very highly anticipated prospect, and you know, we just adds to that Columbus blue line. So those are some guys who I'm looking to 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 really carry this team. Yeah, Matejchuk, he's he's a guy that plays on both ends very well. Like he he's he's not one of the guys that they have to worry about selecting a Sabrango or a, a Del Mastro over. You know, he's put up 175 points in 175 WHL. Games. Yeah, I was gonna say he's pretty good offensively too. <laughs> but he he can play in his own end, and he plays very smart. And it's so important in this tournament to have a guy like that on the back end. And, you know, every single year, the Canadians have some sort of player like that. When you think of mm-hmm. a Jamie Drysdale or Bowen Byram the year last year or two years ago, and yeah. um, 
Owen Zellweger. Zellweger last year. You know, they always have that one stud defenseman. And I I guess I'm going to spoil it, but I was picking Dan Matejchuk as my player to watch for Canada for that exact reason. I think he's going to be a top three player on this team. Okay, before we get into players to watch, Harper, why why don't you sort sort of give us your thoughts on everything we've been talking about? I haven't heard from you in a while. Yeah, no, that's all right. Um, I I I get it in a sense that this team, look, they, I I do see them winning a medal. Certainly, gold is not guaranteed, like it has been years past. I get it, but look, it's a great opportunity for someone to come out of the woodwork and really step up. And there are a couple of names that come to mind. Joshua Waugh is one from last year, uh, Montreal Canadiens late round pick. He was excellent for this team. And then another guy I look at was uh, Tyson Hines, a defenseman. Um, I, I, again, another Anaheim Ducks draft pick or whatever. And uh, their their uh, blue line is is well represented on this team once again with Tristan Leneau, who got into some NHL games this season early on with Anaheim, and a guy by the name of Noah Warren as well. A big right shot D two who I could kind of see, um, you know, having a uh, having an impact on this team, maybe on your third pair or whatever. Very similar to Tyson Hines. So uh, Anaheim's uh, blue line, their their future back there is certainly well represented once again uh, on this uh, on this Canadian team and. And in this tournament, but uh, yeah, I, I think it's a group that that will need to get it done by committee. I think the uh, the the four group is uh, certainly going to be the the main focus with uh, with Celebrini and Geeky Savoy. The list goes on, but I do like this blue line and very interested to see how this defense core performs. Not just uh, Matejchuk, but the two names mm-hmm. that I just mentioned, the two Anaheim prospects. Maverick Lamaru is a guy I'm going to be keeping an eye on as well. Six foot seven, big defender. He was a uh, a first rounder late of the Arizona Coyotes. And um, look, I, you always love to to have uh, players who are are big and have that big long reach in in a in a tournament like this where you have a lot of younger players. So um, look, it might be one of those teams where you know you don't have the uh, the the same star power as you've had in years past, and particularly last year with a guy like Bedard. But um, there's enough there where everybody, if they pitch in, that they can uh, they can do something special again this year. Yeah, and that's you know the way I look at it. I I've grown to trust the staff of <clears throat> Team Canada over the last few years and the guys that they've been picking and and leaving out at times, and to just look at some of the guys they left off of this team that they could have picked that are tearing up their respective leagues. It makes me think you know they saw a camp something in these guys, this specific team that worked well together, that's going to win games. And I'm going to put my faith in them when I'm watching. Mm -hmm. You hope that's the case, right? Because if it's not, then you wonder why a guy like, you know, a guy that I pointed out when I was doing my my prep notes that you mentioned was Jagger Furcus having a great year in the WHL. So you've got to think that, you know, Hopefully the coaching staff notices something in other players and specifically maybe an undrafted player like Owen Allard, who I believe is the only undrafted player on this team. 
if I did my notes right. Maybe that's why he earns a spot over a guy like Jagger Furcus, who will get another crack at it um, next yeah. year. You're right, other than the uh, the two Q goalies and Celebrini, obviously. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> that's right. Why don't we talk about Celebrini? What do we expect from him? Because he's having a great year in the NCAA with BU has what 25 points in 15 games as a 2006 born player like the kid's good projected to go first overall in this upcoming draft uh but as you know we usually have to temper expectations for players who are expected to go first overall unless it's Connor Bedard at the World Juniors so what do you guys think Celebrini is going to get up to here at this tournament yeah i mean like you said, lower the expectations because it's not necessarily about their play. It's about how much um, slack the team is willing to give him because we've seen it in the past that, you know, they trust the 19 year olds on Team Canada. So we'll see how the ice time goes. But I think if he grabs bull by the horns in the first few games, then, you know, and, and he, he slots in at the top of the lineup, he could just be filthy. Last year in the U18s, he dominated that team. Uh, six goals, nine assists in seven games. So, I mean, at least they have some familiarity there. That does mean something. The the teams, obviously, when you're in the system, since you're on the U16s, U17s, U18s, and then playing for this World Junior team, um, they know that they can put your, their trust in you. And he is the highly anticipated first overall pick. So, uh, I'm, I'm thinking that he is going to play a pretty big factor in this team. Yeah. Just looking at all of the the different rankings he is consolidated number one number one by elite prospects daily face off the hockey news bob mckenzie craig button who will be joining harper later in this show forgot to mention that but that's a pretty big deal for us so that's cool um, yeah as yeah. long as everything goes well um and, and dauber prospects so he's he's consolidated ranked number one i don't think anyone is really challenging for that number one spot right now. And if Celebrini has a good world junior tournament, he, he might just be a lock. Yeah. The only, the only other guy I could think of that would uh, challenge for that number one spot is, uh, is Cole Iserman of, uh, of the U S who is actually Celebrini's teammate um, at, uh, at, at BU right now, but BU, right? Not Boston college. Yeah. yeah. It, it's BU, yeah. but Iserman's not there yet. Yeah. I was going to say Iserman, I think is oh, committed true. to BU, but he's right. playing with the development program. Oh, okay, good. Yeah. But, Thank but you. also but, like I've, I've been seeing some, and, and Casey, you and I have talked about this a bit, yeah. but we, we, I've been seeing some different rankings where Iserman is dropping and, and some other players are kind of climbing the ladder, which seems to happen every year, right? So I don't think that there's a clear, even number two anymore in this draft. On paper, Iserman is like a carbon copy of Celebrini <laughs> and Celebrini's having success in the NCAA at his age, whereas uh, Iserman's playing in the national development program. So his stock has fallen in mm -hmm. terms of like going mm -hmm. number one overall. There was a time where, you know, we're kind of thinking the, the same thing, but you look back to their um, USHL stats and their, um, they both played at Shaddix as well, right? Yeah. Yeah. You look back at the stats, it's like, it's so, the same man so eerie how similar these players are but uh they're, they're both six foot about 190 195 um 
they both shoot left. Like there's no yeah. they're, play they're, center or wing. Yeah. Yeah. So, so very similar players, but you're right, Case. Like the production this year for Celebrini is arguably more impressive in the NCAA, given the fact that he has 25 points in 15 games versus Cole Iserman's in the National Develop, Development Program. He has 45 points in 23 games, which is pretty crazy, but it's just different yeah. levels of, of competition. And Celebrini is really uh, excelling. But then there are some other players too, like uh, Ivan Dem- Demidov. I, I don't know exactly how you pronounce that, but I've seen yeah. that his name has been climbing the ranks uh, recently. And there are some other players in there too. Adam Juracek, I don't think will be in that top three range, but could crack the top five, depending how the rest of the season goes. So there's a lot of good prospects out there who we will be watching at this tournament. But I think it's safe to say that Celebrini is the projected number one. And unless something crazy happens, he should go number one. Yeah, definitely. And I have seen in, in some uh, lineup projections for this team that uh, he he very well could be penciled in as the number one center uh, on a line with Geeky and Savoy. I have seen that a few times in uh, in a couple of different sources. And yes, uh, Chad, as you mentioned, um, we, uh, we we will be joined by uh, by TSN director of scouting uh, Craig Button later on in, in this episode. Uh, we're going to talk about some players to watch with him and uh, and definitely planning on asking him about uh, about Macklin Celebrini mm-hmm. as well. So very, very exciting for us. Um, kind of a kind of an early Christmas present for us. If we look yeah. at it that way, it'll be it'll be great to have Craig on. So um, that's that's very exciting. Is, uh, is is that in on Team Canada, boys? What do we think? Well, no, we we should do our players to watch, right? Casey, you already mentioned that your player to watch is Denton Matejchuk, but why don't you get into it a little bit more, why you think he'll be so interesting to watch. Sports betting has rapidly risen in popularity, and I want to connect you all with an opportunity to get started or to get ahead. Having multiple sportsbook accounts is the most simple way to maximize your profits, and there's never been a better time to sign up. So when you visit our page at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth, you'll be connected to all the sportsbooks in your region, along with a review of each platform and its unique benefits. All of these sportsbooks have valuable signup offers for new users, and when you register through the link, you will automatically receive the top offer at each one. When you use multiple sportsbooks, you ensure that you can always access the best available odds, which is key to successful sports betting. So if you want to take advantage of these benefits and support our brand in the meantime, please consider signing up for your next sportsbook at signupexpert.com slash boys in the booth. This podcast is sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek using the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. Yeah, I mean, I kind of already mentioned that his two-way game kind of leaves him out of the discussion of, uh, you know, leaving him out just because he's offensive and and the fact that Canada's been shifting towards a defensive defense core recently. But um, 
his stats are ridiculous. He has 35 points in 24 games in the WHL. That's uh, first in the league for defensemen in points per game, which included a 23-game point streak that just ended. Um, he's been <laughs> defenseman <laughs> absolutely phenomenal <laughs> on the back end. And in the WHL too, which is not the scoring league of the three in the CHL, especially in terms of defense. So uh, a lot of impressive things out of him. I think Columbus got an absolute steal at 12. And that decor is going to be so scary in the future. So I think that he's going to be our Zellweger, Byram, Drysdale, uh, Ty Smith was a pretty good Team Canada guy. Yeah. Um, hopefully Matejuk doesn't turn out like him. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he had a great rookie year. Yeah, he a did. great rookie year. Yeah, he did. And then he got us John Marino. So there you go. Um, but yeah, no, that's pretty much all I had to say. Like he's phenomenal two way guy. I expect him to get the bulk of the ice time and play the quarterback power play. Mm -hmm. So he'll, he'll be, he'll be the horse back there. I think for sure. Like the guy logging, you know, 25 plus minutes, all situations, but yeah. I don't know. I don't know if they would go to him as, as a first PK guy, but he'll certainly be on the top pairing and probably on the the power play as well so yeah yeah it, it's a good pick man like like i'll definitely be watching matejcik as i mentioned earlier he was one of the guys i was really high on in that draft so it's nice to see that he's been you know kind of holding up his end of the bargain when it comes to being picked that high putting up some some gross numbers um but my player to watch in case you already mentioned him it's carson Reckoff. It's the guy with 31 goals in 31 games who yeah. leads the OHL in scoring, and he's a 2005-born player. He was drafted 50th overall in the second round in, this, in the most recent draft, 2023, and he's putting up numbers as if he's a grizzled veteran in the OHL, like, like he, he's got the league figured out. And it's crazy to me because usually, like I kind of mentioned off the top, you look at the players who were either there last year or who were eligible last year but didn't make the team to be sort of the horses. But when you sort the players by production, Rekoff is number one on this team, uh, of course, because he's leading the OHL in scoring and has 31 goals in 31 games. And, and so I think if you're the coach of Team Canada, you have no choice but to put Rekoff in every offensive situation and play him in the top six, even though he's one of the younger guys on the team. So I'm really excited to see if his production translates and if he can outshine some of the, the other players on the team who are a little bit older, like Dumais, Connor Geeky, etc., and can prove to Seattle that they got an absolute steal in the draft. Yeah, I mean... You know, a little foreshadowing here, but Seattle has been drafting well, and particularly in that second round. Yes. Um, so they've got another steal here, and his projection right now, like if you look at if he played every game this year, 67 games, whatever he's on pace for, his pace of goals is going to have him as like a you know, kind of a record-setting year. Um, the only guy in recent times that would be anywhere close is yours truly JT two, or 1000 points against the New York Islanders who had 72 goals in 67 games but Rekhoff is on Holy. pace for 67 goals this year 
which would have him 20th all time in the OHL. Yeah. I mean, like, listen, we know that OHL scoring doesn't always translate to the NHL. There are a million other factors. And that's the reason why, you know, a player like Jordan Dumais, who by all accounts is extremely talented, but maybe undersized or underdeveloped physically. That's why he slipped so far in the draft. So there are other factors, but you can't ignore the production of these guys in the OHL, because even if it won't translate immediately, there's something there. And the teams who draft these types of players, like if they have a good enough development system like Seattle, I think probably does. Um, you know, evidenced by the fact that they're not rushing a player like Shane Wright into the NHL before he's ready, <coughs> Montreal, uh, with Slavkovsky. But it, it, it seems like, you know, if put in the right situation, these types of players can can develop. Um, and it's just crazy to me that Rekov is the guy on the team who was picked, what did I say, 53rd overall? Um, let me just double 50th. check 50th overall in 2023. And Fergus was their second round pick the year before in 2022. Yeah, and two second having, round picks again, foreshadowing my pick here. So. And he's having a great year. So yeah, I, I think it'll be interesting to see how, how Rekoff does because he is just tearing and up the CHL. Before I get shit on. Yeah. I know to bring cat and Pat Kane were pretty fucking good in the OHL and scored a lot of goals. So don't yell at me in the comment section. Well, you know who <laughs> scored? I think I'm pretty sure Nick Robertson had like 55 goals one year in the OHL. So, you know, like it doesn't always translate, but it is still very, very impressive. Yeah. Yeah. 55 isn't even the top 100, but whatever. <laughs> you know, men- mentioning Seattle and, and their drafting, I mean, they could have had... They could have had three players, uh, three draft picks of theirs on this team. Like we mentioned, Rekop, for you've been talking about, Fergus, who's been tearing it up in junior, Ty Nelson, a defenseman, a third-round pick in, in this past draft, was also a cut from this Canada team. So, yes, uh, Ron Francis and company are are doing it right in uh, in, in Seattle, and uh, I think that, that those uh, two picks, Matejchuk and and, uh, and Rekop, are, uh, are great picks. For, for players to watch. Guys, shocker. I'm going with the guy I know, Matthew Savoy, uh, as, as my player to watch. He was obviously cut by this team last year. I was a little bit uh, surprised by that, but no surprise to, to see him make this roster. And uh, I, I think he's, uh, by all accounts, going to be a, a big part of it. Character, work ethic, skill, skating ability, all of it. Got into one game with uh, with the Sabres earlier in the year when they had some uh, when, when they had some injuries at forward. Um, obviously is is tearing it up once again with uh, Wenatchee. No longer uh, the Winnipeg Ice in, in the WHL with uh, with Wenatchee now. He's been tearing it up there. And, uh, and also in the American Hockey League, he is uh, close to a point per game right now. He's got five points in six games with Rochester in uh, in the American Hockey League, which is uh, which is really great to see, and uh, I, I just think that you know, anytime you get cut the year prior by uh, by a team like this, and uh, you know, just having that burning desire in you to to represent your country, I think that that just adds extra motivation, which is something that Kevin Adams talked about after he was asked about Savoy not making Team Canada last year, that, look, 
this is motivation for for the young man and uh, along with his abilities and what we've seen so far out of Savoy and and being a high first round pick as well of the of the Buffalo Sabres uh, expecting nothing but great things from Matthew Savoy. Yeah, and uh, talk about the clutch gene looking at him last year in the playoffs for the WHL. He had 29 points in 19 games. So hopefully he can bring some of that into Team Canada where you know we expect him to be the top-line center. I think that's the consensus going into this. So he's going to be very important to this team. And yeah, hopefully he's looking to prove something, like you said, Harper. Yeah, and talk about another team who has been drafting pretty well recently, your Buffalo Sabres harp. Like this guy, Savoy, and Savoy, Savoy, however you, you want me to say it. And they've got some other pretty damn good players in this tournament too. Yuri Kulich is a guy who we'll talk about. Noah Ostland, uh, you know, the list goes on for first rounders of the Sabres who are looking to kind of be the backbone of their respective teams in this tournament. So Savoy is a good pick. Looking forward to see seeing what he can do, and hopefully for his sake, after getting cut last year, he can make you know a, a pretty big impact and be that number one center. Hopefully, it's not the case where you know Celebrini. I know that he's sort of like the big name coming in because he's projected to go first overall, but hopefully Savoy can keep his spot on that first line and uh, you know not get pushed away by by the youngster. Yeah, exactly. And he's a right-handed shot as well. So depending on what they decide to do in their top six, uh, again, I've I've seen projections that the first line could look like Geeky left, Celebrini in the middle with Savoy and that right shot on on the right side. So we'll we'll see how it ultimately shakes out. But yeah, I think he's going to have a pretty big impact on uh, on this team. All right, boys, that good for for a little deep dive on, on Team Canada? What do we think? Yeah, the last thing I wanted to say, because we didn't really get to talk about him much and and the Leafs listeners will kill me if I don't bring him up, but Easton Cowan right now, I was talking about how, you know, when you go and sort the players on this team in terms of uh, how they're scoring and, and producing in their respective leagues, Easton Cowan right now is fifth on the team with 39 points in 23 OHL games. So since being picked by the Maple Leafs in the first round last year, which was seen by many people, including myself, as a bit of an off-the-board pick, he's sort of turned it around and proven case, like like you mentioned before, that he's got an engine and and he's starting to surprise people with his scoring. So I'm looking forward to seeing uh, uh, what Cowan can do and hopefully he gets enough minutes to be able to produce offensively because the other Leafs prospect, Frazier Minton, we've already kind of touched on. Uh, he'll likely be in more of a defensive role. So I'm interested to see where uh, Cowan will slot into the lineup. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think uh, stuck around a lot longer than we had uh, anticipated with uh, the Maple Leafs out of camp for sure. So uh, yeah. And you know what? Kind of nice uh, as a Leafs fan, isn't it? To actually have a couple of, uh, Couple of Dude. big name, you know, relatively big name prospects uh, in your system in this tournament, especially for our home country. Well, that's the thing, right? It's for <laughs> Team Canada. I can't remember the last prospect of the Maple Leafs who played for Team Canada that I like was excited to watch at the tournament. Like maybe, maybe Mitch Marner. Like, like I, I don't like that was years ago. So yep. like Mar- Marner was drafted in twenty. 
15. So like that was ages ago, but, <laughs> and, and over the last few years, you know, it's been Topi Niamala who won uh, defenseman of the tournament one year and, and was really, really They've good. They've been Team Finland lately. <clears throat> yeah, and, and Ronnie Hirvonen was another guy. Um, yeah. Like, they've had a bunch of really good players. And then, unfortunately, also, uh, Rodion Amirov was another player who was always interested to watch. And, and they've had some good prospects, but none for Team Canada recently. So, it is, it is really exciting for me. Like, I feel like I will be watching even more this year, especially because both of these guys actually made it. <clears throat> and, you know, that wasn't a lock going in to training camp. Like, I don't think, I, I guess I shouldn't say, I, I'm not sure what the consensus was about whether people thought both were going to make the team. I thought Minton was probably a lock because he, w- he was the defensive guy. He's a year older, you know, and he has been putting up some pretty consistent numbers in uh, the dub and is a good two-way player. But Cowan, like I am pleasantly surprised with him. So because, you know, he cost the Leafs Rasmus Sandin. Like when you put it that way, you know, you you hope that this kid turns into a pretty good player. So I'm interested for the first time in a while. I'm, I'm going to be absolutely glued to to a Leafs prospect playing for Team Canada. Yeah, that's great. All right, uh, still to come, TSN Director of Scouting, Craig Button. We're going to be talking about some players to watch with him and uh, the projected number one overall pick in the 2024 NHL Draft as well. Still to come in part one of our World Juniors preview right here on Boys in the Booth. Stay with us. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. All right. Well, it's an absolute pleasure to be joined by our next guest here. He is a uh, former NHL executive and uh, the director of scouting for TSN. Mr. Craig Button joins us here on the pod. Uh, Good morning, Craig. How are you, sir? I am doing very, very, very well. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's, uh, the World Juniors coming, Christmas is coming, and they go hand in hand. Yes, they sure do. Uh, absolutely. So, Craig, we'll, we'll get right into it here. Obviously, it's all about uh, the World Juniors ahead of the start of the tournament on Boxing Day on TSN. And uh, what we're going to do is just go through four NHL prospects uh, in this tournament, one from each NHL division uh, to watch at the World Juniors. So starting in the Atlantic with one of two um, uh, Toronto Maple Leafs prospects who are going to be suiting up for Team Canada, one of them is Easton Cowan, a, a late first-round pick of the Maple Leafs this year and uh, playing very well for the London Knights once again this season. Craig, at first it was kind of seen as maybe a bit of an off-the-board pick for Toronto, but uh, he looks great. He's going to be suiting up for Team Canada here and uh, stuck around for, I think, a lot longer than we had anticipated for Toronto out of camp. I mean, you, you stick around camp. Each organization has different ideas of um, of what they want the players to experience over the course of uh, training camp. And at the same time, you know, the season is long. You, you also don't want to be taxing your uh, your your NHL players. You know, they're going to be on the team. They're just trying to find a way to get ready for the beginning of the season. So that that, that opportunity for Easton and other young players to get a little more time around the NHL squad is really important to their development. Uh, when you talk Easton last year was ended up becoming a really important uh, cog in the wheel for the London Knights 
en route to the uh, OHL championship before they ultimately lost. And Dale Hunter, who's an excellent coach, yeah, I, I, I remind myself of this constantly, is that if you go to the games, watch how the coaches use players. And Easton was used in every single situation. He was used in important situations. And the coach tells you a lot about how how he feels about a player. And obviously, you end up being a first-round draft pick to the Toronto Maple Leafs. They thought highly of him. And I think that if Easton was able to kind of get traction earlier in the season, there would have been no surprise about him being drafted in the first round. But that's why you got to continuously watch these players. That's why you got to stay on them over the course of time because they, they develop. They develop at different intervals. They develop more as time goes on or less, depending on the player. Easton has done all of that. And certainly Easton playing for Team Canada, he's going to be counted upon to do a lot of different things for this team. And when you play for Team Canada, you've got to be able to potentially play out of position, take on different roles. I don't think Easton will have any problem doing that. Absolutely. Uh, Easton Cowan joined by uh, fellow Maple Leafs prospect uh, Fraser Minton as well. The first time uh, since 2016 that the Maple Leafs will have a couple of prospects suiting up for Team Canada at the World Juniors. Travis Dermott and Mitch Marner were the last ones to do so. Uh, over to the Metropolitan Division now, Craig. And I want to ask you about a prospect by the name of Lenny Haminaho, a second rounder of the New Jersey Devils this year. He's going to be playing for Team Finland. Your thoughts? Thoughts on this player? Uh, number one is that the the first thing that stands out is the speed that he plays with the the ability to to attack the ability to push uh, defenders back and create space for himself and he and he's hungry he wants to he wants to take the puck to the net he wants to uh, you know make plays and when when you can shoot the puck like he can and you can skate like he can you're going to be able to create opportunities for yourself you're also going to open up the ice for others because defenders and opponents now have to be really aware of you on the ice he's he's had a really strong start in the Finnish pro league this year uh you know playing you know as a 19 year old but playing very very well in his league and and producing Finland's going to be looking to him. They do not have a lot of high-end skill on this iteration of their junior team. So they're going to be looking to Lenny as, as a real key player to provide offense on the power play at five on five, but he's capable and, and he, and he's, he's a determined scorer. He's not going to be denied easily. And certainly uh, you want to move to the NHL and have success at the NHL level. You got to be able to operate in small spaces and you got to be able to push through resistance. Lenny can do all of that. Going over to the uh, Pacific now, Craig, and uh, look out. The Vancouver Canucks have another good defenseman on the horizon in uh, Tom Willander, 11th overall pick of Vancouver this year. Right shot D. Uh, he'll be suiting up for Team Sweden and uh, looking real good so far this year with uh, with BU as well. Your thoughts on Tom Willander? I love Tom Willander, and it, it, I'll, I'll start with this. He, he, to me, he's got a game that's uh, a lot in, in style-wise like Charlie McAvoy of the Boston Bruins can play big minutes in the game. You know, he, he, he might he, he's probably not going to be an Eric Carlson type offensive player, but who is? There are very few of those players. But somebody that can play those, those big, hard minutes, and he, and he can do it at five-on-five five against the other team's best players. He can contribute offensively and kill penalties. But he, he's uh, the word I use to describe Tommy is he's robust. 
he, he, he's a big time competitor with really, really good, strong skills. And when you look at players that, that, that can play in, the, in, 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 in a manner that he does, those are players that are no fun to play against because they're in every battle and they're in every battle to win it. They don't, they don't take shifts off. They understand that, you know, if, if, if I go hard, I, my, my job is going to be easier. I, I think back to Adam Foote, and Adam Foote was a player. He was never falling be, be below 100% effort. So he, he forced you to keep your game at 100%. If you weren't at 100%, the advantage kept going to Adam Foote. And that's how Tommy Vlander plays with that type of competitive spirit. He's not as edgy as Adam Foote. Very few players have ever been as edgy as Adam Foote. But that ability to keep your game at that high a level and make it really hard on opponents and be able to contribute in so many areas, that's what Tommy does. And, and there's a number of, of Boston, University play, Boston University teammates that are playing for different countries. Tommy Vlander with uh, with uh, Sweden, Lane Hudson, a Montreal Canadiens draft pick with yeah. the USA, and Macklin Celebrini, who's the best player for the 2024 draft, playing with Team Canada. It'll be interesting to see when they play against one another. Absolutely. And uh, really, something really interesting that you said there, uh, talking about uh, the comparisons uh, between Willander and Adam Foote. And I mean, it's just set up perfectly that Willander, by all accounts, is is going to have an opportunity to to work with Adam Foote in Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just another benefit of, uh, of, of, of having somebody with Adam's experience, with Adam's knowledge. Adam's a really good teacher. And, and Tommy's going to benefit from that. He's going to benefit from that big time. He's playing for Jay Pandolfo, a three-time Stanley Cup champion with the New Jersey Devils at BU. And then he's going to move uh, into professional hockey with uh, uh, Adam Foote, a two-time Stanley Cup champion, an Olympic gold medalist, just an awesome, awesome player that you wanted on your team. You want Tommy on your team. And if you're playing against him, you don't want to have to go up against him shift after shift after shift as he wears on you. Yeah, well said. And uh, Craig, always uh, interesting to to look at goaltenders in this tournament. And uh, that is uh, where we're going to turn our focus now. Michael Hrabal uh, will suit up for Czechia, who had a fantastic tournament last year, winning a silver in an epic gold medal game in Halifax against uh, against Canada. So uh, Hrabal, um, Craig uh, Yotes, uh, second rounder in uh, in 2023, and he is an absolute giant between the pipes uh, for UMass Amherst and should uh, should look pretty good for Team Czechia. Your thoughts on uh, the Coyotes' second rounder? Uh, you, you, you described him. I mean, he, he obviously, you know, he's a big man in the net. You don't have to, you don't have to, you take one glance and you say that's a big man. But he, he's got lots of athletic ability and he, he's a competitor and he's smart. He reads the play really well. And like a lot of younger goaltenders, you know, they're, they're working at, at trying to develop that technical aspect of their game, the, the, what I call the technical acumen. And when you're a bigger goaltender, you know, trying to make sure that your your positioning stays tight and you don't open up you can get by on your athletic ability and certainly uh, Michael has significant athletic ability but his technical ability is pretty darn good for a, for a goaltender his age and and I think that coming you, you might be looking at the best goaltender in the tournament uh, and, and, and Michael for, for Team Czechia and, and, and their fortunes are going to rest on the back of Michael because you know it's the, the Czechs have, have 
had a really good opportunity to build the program and to push their program along, and they've had some success at, at other tournaments, losing in the gold medal last year. Michael will be a, a real important piece of, of Czechia's chances to go to, to compete for a medal in this tournament, but certainly uh, a, a goaltender that has all the attributes you would want in it, uh, for somebody uh, in the NHL, and I, I don't have any question that he will uh, be a real good, solid NHL goaltender in, in, in time. Yeah, once again, uh, Bill Armstrong and the Arizona Coyotes, uh, well represented uh, here at this tournament. And uh, certainly uh, right near the top of the list is uh, goaltender Michael Herbal. Uh, Craig, before we wrap up, I I just quickly want to ask you about uh, Macklin Celebrini, projected number one overall pick in in 2024. Uh, He looks dynamite. He's going to be suiting up for Team Canada. What are you expecting from Macklin Celebrini? I would say the same thing that uh, I've become accustomed uh, to seeing. So, you know, it's one thing to say, okay, what are the expectations for a player? And you can look at talent and you can look at skill and you can say, but Macklin, regardless of his age, no matter where he's played last year in the USHL, he was a 16 year old player that was the most valuable player in the league. No, no, nobody's ever done that at 16. Yeah. He goes to the he goes to the U18 tournament. He's a year younger than everybody. Arguably uh, amongst the best players in the tournament and, and, and instrumental in Canada winning a bronze medal at the U18 tournament. He goes to Boston University this year. He, he he's a 17 year old uh, first year player playing against players like much older than him. And, and he's a dominant player in the NCAA, one of the very best players. And he's only 17. So having watched him play for so long, it, 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 it's, it's just kind of normal course to see him come in and just perform. He, he, he's got on ice maturity. That's beyond his years. He, he knows what his game is, but, but he can do so many different things. So if, if, if the scoring isn't there, he, he'll be a playmaker. If the playmaking isn't there, he, he, he can shoot the puck and set him out to score. If those offensive parts aren't there, he's going to be really good without the puck, and he's going to create chances by competing on the puck and being good in body-on-body battles. And those are just a few of the things. Having watched him so much, like you, you just, and, and I hear it all the time, Oh, he's going. Oh, he's only seventeen. Yeah, he's seventeen. I'm going to say it right here. I'm going to say it right now. Yeah, he's Canada's best player. He's Canada's best player. Wow. Well, and, and and you know, talking about Celebrini, Craig. Um, what one more quick thing I, I want to mention. Uh, you made a, a really excellent comparison uh, for for Celebrini, and uh, that's a former captain of the Chicago Blackhawks, Jonathan Taze. Yeah. And, it, 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 you, when I when I first saw Macklin play, you, you watch how he played, and you know some players, McDavid jumps right out at you, right? Like you know because yep. of, of the skating and the dynamic, and certainly you, every player has a different kind of a skill set and a different kind of a style. But when you watch Macklin, and, and maybe the best way to describe him is Jonathan Taze, like because it didn't matter where Jonathan Taze uh, was playing or what situation he was playing in you were going to get a player that was going to find a way to gain advantages. That's Macklin Celebrini. 
Absolutely. Well said. Uh, Craig, thank you so much uh, for your time. I know it's an extremely busy time uh, for you with uh, Christmas on the way and the World Juniors as well. Uh, But uh, really appreciate you parking some time for us uh, today. Your insights and expertise, very much appreciated. Thank you uh, so much, Craig. Uh, Merry Christmas uh, to you and your family. And we'll be watching uh, you uh, as part of the coverage for the World Juniors on TSN. Thanks so much. Thank you and happy holidays to everybody. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.